What types of foreign investors may be ideal candidates for Opportunity Zone investing? And is there an opportunity for OZ fund sponsors to raise capital overseas? Find out next. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Just a quick note for my listeners before I get underway with today's podcast episode. This podcast episode was recorded in November of 2019. So you will hear references to the regulations and the lack of final regs about 20 minutes into today's episode. Just know that this interview was recorded about a month before the regulations were finalized. And now without further ado, here's today's interview. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. And joining me on the program today is Steve Cristiano. Associate Director in Frank Hirth's New York office. Steve, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jimmy. It's great to be here, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Steve, I know that uh, Frank Hirth is a U.S. tax firm that advises both U.S. and non-U.S. individuals living abroad. And so I, wanna, I want our conversation today to focus on how the Opportunity Zone Tax Incentive can apply to both foreign individuals and to U.S. persons who are living outside of the U.S., and what implications that that may have for fund sponsors who are looking to raise Opportunity Zone capital and just make them aware of the fact that they do not need to restrict themselves to domestic capital raising. There are actually individuals outside of the U.S. who would be ideal candidates for investing in this program. Uh, So to start us off, Let's speak to that group, that group of people who are trying to raise Opportunity Zone capital here within the United States. Let's say I'm an Opportunity Zone fund sponsor. What opportunities exist outside of the U.S. for raising capital? Sure, Jeremy, and that's a, that's a great question, and I think it's a question that uh, you know not many fund sponsors are really uh, thinking about, but... Um, just because a, you know a, a potential investor is overseas um, does not uh, you know does not discount them from trying to gain exposure into the opportunity zone uh, fund program. Uh, so most of the fund sponsors are trying to raise capital here in the U.S., which that makes sense. Um, but where they're having uh, struggles of raising capital in the U.S. Um, they can certainly look to uh, overseas um, investors. And, and, and I think most of the overseas investors you're going to find are Americans living overseas. Let's just point that out. Americans living overseas uh, still have U.S. tax filing requirements. They're, they're subject to the same U.S. tax um, requirements that individuals here that are living here in the U.S. are. Uh, I think also international families, so family offices abroad, um, are looking at these opportunity zone opportunities where they already have exposure into the U.S. market um, through various investments. And these are uh, also the types of investors that are willing to have long-term investments that could see a diversification play uh, with opportunity zone projects, um, you know, if it fits their, their, their strategy. Um, and, and just your basic non-U.S. Um, 
person that's overseas that has maybe invested in U.S. real estate. We see that a lot, especially in New York, uh, where non-U.S. persons um, are setting up vehicles to invest into uh, U.S. real estate. Those are also ideal candidates that could potentially diversify their portfolio um, to, to gain exposure into the Opportunity Zone program. So I think those, those three um, you know, types of investors are, are out there. I think they may not be as educated as our you know, U.S. counterparts here in the, in the U.S. are about the Opportunity Zone program, and we're trying to educate them along the way um, that this is an option for them. Um, that this program doesn't just cater to U.S. people living here. Um, if you have capital gains that are taxable in the U.S., this would apply to any type of investor, whether they're U.S. or non-U.S. Good. I want to dive into that a little bit more going forward with our conversation today. But uh, first, we want to back up a little bit here, Steve, and get a background on you, your career path, what's led you to where you are today. And maybe you can also speak about Frank Hirth and the types of clients that uh, your firm serves. Sure, sure. Um, I started out of, out of college uh, with Ernst & Young. I was in their financial services department. Uh, I was with Ernst & Young for five years. Uh, most of my background uh, is dealing with financial services type clients. So your PE funds, your fund of funds, um, all different types of partnerships. Uh, I moved on from Ernst & Young and joined Frank Hurth in 2011. Uh, I've been with Frank Hurth for eight years now. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, time, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I've been with Frank Hurth since then. Uh, I've been in the New York office. New York office has been open uh, for over 11 years now. Uh, we're headquartered out of um, London, and we've been in London for 40-plus years. Uh, we're a U.S.-U.K. tax firm. Um, in New York, we are primarily a tax, uh, a U.S. tax operation. Uh, we deal with all different types of clients. Um, I still deal with uh, the fund side of clients, so a lot of private equity funds and and fund the funds and family uh, investment vehicles, um, where we, you know, we're not very industry specific, but all of our clients have some sort of international flavor to them. Um, so that's clients looking to that are overseas looking to get exposure into the U.S. for various reasons, um, and, and we also have clients that are moving into the U.S. They may be getting their green card, um, maybe expanding their business uh, from overseas into the U.S. So we see a lot of different types of clients um, here uh, out of our New York office, mostly inbound uh, to the U.S., uh, and, and whereas we also see outbound as well, uh, but mostly inbound. And I'm able to, uh, you know, look after a lot of the investment style clients that kind of fit the Opportunity Zone initiatives. We have real estate clients um, and, and your PE style clients that all um, – you know, are looking at, at opportunity zones as we speak. Right, good. Uh, you mentioned briefly in the beginning the three types of ideal candidates for opportunities on investing. Can, can you go over those? Can you repeat those one more time for me and, and, and discuss those in a little bit more detail? Sure. So any non-U.S. Uh, individual or entity, so the Opportunity Zone program um, is very flexible as far as 
uh, what type of taxpayer is eligible to benefit um, from all of the Opportunity Zone capital gains uh, benefits that the program offers. So these are any non-U.S. investors. Um, they could be an individual, could be a C-Corp, could be a partnership, trust estate, et cetera. Um, the, the key part for a non-U.S. investor, let's just say, is either a non-U.S. individual or a non-U.S. corporation that's investing in, let's say, U.S. real estate. Um, that individual upon or that entity upon sale of that U.S. real estate um, would be considered uh, capital gains taxable in the U.S. So right there is a perfect example of many clients that we see that do get exposure to U.S. real estate that, that would be able to defer those capital gains into an opportunity zone investment. So I would say that's one style of client. Um, the second style of client are Americans just living overseas. Like I stated before, Amer just because an American, an American citizen, or a green card holder for that matter, if they live uh, overseas, uh, they still have a U.S. tax filing requirement and are still taxed as, a, as you and I are taxed uh, as, as Americans, um, but they just are taxed overseas, and but they still have their filing requirements just like any other U.S. taxpayer. So um, those benefits for Americans living overseas are just like the benefits we have in the U.S. So any sort of capital gains from stocks, from bonds, from their investment por portfolio, from the sale of their residence, um, real estate, uh, et cetera, um, those would all be potential capital gains that could be invested into an Opportunity Zone fund. I would say also international family offices. I think just like uh, Opportunity Zone fund sponsors are targeting family offices here in the U.S. because of the type of investor they typically are, um, international families as well are prime candidate where they probably are already uh, making investments into the U.S. as part of their global strategy. Um, the, these are uh, these are the types of investors that potentially would benefit from an Opportunity Zone uh, project as well, where they want to diversify some of their portfolio. They may already have a U.S. portfolio in real estate, let's just say, um, and they can, upon sale of that real estate, try to get exposure into this program and, and get a lot of different tax benefits that the program has to offer. Um, I will say also, it's not just real estate investments that non-U.S. people can utilize those capital gains um, into opportunity zones. So typically in real estate, um, from a U.S. tax perspective, uh, typically real estate sales are going to be subject to either capital gains tax, long-term capital gains tax, or what we call Section 1231 capital gains tax, which the regulations um, have clarified that 1231 gains, uh, albeit a, a net gain, um, can be reinvested into an opportunity zone as capital gain and get all of the benefits that the program has to offer. Um, with tax reform, there is another potential capital gain um, that is out there that now non-U.S. investors are subject to, and that's with a new section code called 864C8. And these are investments in partnerships, uh, in U.S. partnerships that are engaged in U.S. trade or businesses. Um, so this is typical with a PE structure. So if a non-U.S. investor is invested in one of these PE vehicles that are engaged in U.S. trader businesses, 
if they dispose of their interest at a gain, then that capital gain uh, is now subject to U.S. capital gains tax, uh, which is uh, quite different uh, from pre-tax reform, uh, but post-tax reform did co codify this rule. So it's not just real estate gains that could potentially be rolled over. You also have uh, potential capital gains from investments uh, in U.S. partnerships that could potentially be taxable to a non-U.S. person that would be eligible. Good. So it's not just restricted to real estate. Uh, quite clearly, it could be essentially any capital gain or or 1231 gain or an 864C8 gain, as as you as you just brought up. Uh, so if if I am a non-U.S. individual, let's say I'm in the U.K., possibly located near your London office even, uh, and I have some capital gains tax liability in the U.S. because I'm invested in real estate there, or potentially I have an interest in a U.S. business partnership, am I likely to be aware of the Opportunity Zone program, or has that been one of the biggest challenges to educate these foreign investors of this Opportunity Zone tax incentive? Because many people in the U.S. are not even aware of it. I can only imagine how difficult that must be for a foreign person uh, who, who may have some capital gains tax liabilities here in the States. Can you, can you address that? Sure, sure. Well, if you've been following me on Fra and Frank Kurtz, uh, you may have gotten some materials out there already that uh, we've been posting to our website and LinkedIn and various social media. But if, if that isn't the case, um, yes, I do agree that the educational process overseas um, needs to be uh, ramped up because um, that is, you know, I don't think a lot of non-U.S. investors are thinking of that. Um, and, and like you said, they may not even be aware um, that, they're, that they can, um, you know, that they are eligible to get um, the rollover treatment and all the, um, you know, capital gains benefits that the program has to offer if they invest within a certain amount of time. Um, so, so, yes, I think there is an educational process. We're trying our best, of course, um, to promote this specifically in London um, and, and with all of my international clients to, to give them that option. Um, you know, you really have to have a specific type of investor that's willing to hold uh, these types of investments for, for 10 years or more um, to, to really get the, 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 the best bang for your buck. Um, but yeah, I think it's a slow process. I think more and more people, as, as we start to promote this a little bit more, are seeing some of the opportunities. Um, I have received some questions from uh, our clients based in London in regards to the program. So, you know, getting out to, you know, the trustee companies um, overseas, getting out to those in investors, the family offices that are overseas that, that, that are dealing with uh, very sophisticated international, uh, you know, and international clients that are, that are high net worth, um, you know, these opportunities are there for them to take uh, advantage of, and I would certainly encourage it for, you know, the right, the right type of, of client. Of course, what other efforts have been made to educate the foreign public of this incentive? You know, here stateside, there have been dozens of conferences that have been put on this year by OZ Expo and BizNow and Novogratic, just to name a few of the conference organizers. Has there been any conference circuit or event circuit that's uh, happened abroad um, 
in in London or or around the UK. Not to not to pick on London too much, but I know that's where you guys are headquartered. Sure, sure. Not that I know of, to be quite honest with you. I've I've actually attended one of the OZ Expo um, conferences here in in New York. Um, but no, I think I think it would be a great idea uh, for for you know some of these organizations to really get out there. I haven't. Um, come across any organizations that are similar to those that are doing, you know, that are promoting um, the OZ fund and the OZ initiative here in the U.S. Um, but, but yeah, unfortunately, I haven't come across any of those that are promoting um, this overseas. And I think there there is a massive opportunity, specifically in London, and, and, and probably um, you know in Asia and, and other countries around the globe that you know would benefit. From, from programs like that. And, and you know, we at Frank Kurth and myself personally are trying to, um, you know, educate our clients and, and try to get as much materi- material out there um, to make sure that all, all investors that are investing into the U.S. market, um, you know, know exactly the types of benefits that, that can be, that, that they can take advantage of uh, with Opportunity Zone investments and, um, and that's 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 there for them, um, and it's not just U.S. investors. Right. Well, it sounds like an opportunity for Frank Hearth. Maybe if you guys want to put on an event in London, I would encourage you to do so. Who knows uh, the types of people that you might get uh, filing into that room if you put on an Opportunity Zone event for foreign individuals or U.S. persons living overseas who may have capital gains tax liability in the U.S. I think that would be. That'd be big if we could uh, get something like that going in London or elsewhere in Europe or in Asia, as you mentioned. Sure, sure. I, I will clear my schedule to go on a road show overseas anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you should, you should. What have, uh, what have been some of the biggest frustrations or challenges in getting Opportunity Zone equity capital to flow into some of these qualified opportunity funds uh, that you've seen on your end? I know you already spoke a little bit about the education component. I think that's clearly a big hurdle, but any other frustrations or, or challenges with this incentive so far? I just think the uncertainty. Um, you know, the IRS and the government, um, you know, they've put out a lot of different regulations, which have been helpful. The first set of regs were towards the end of 2018. Second set of regs were earlier this year. Nothing's been finalized to this point. Um, and I, I think there's a little bit of hesitation. Clearly, opportunity zones um, in certain areas are riskier investments, and you have to have the right investor that is willing to hold uh, for the 10-year for the play. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. I do think the educational, I think there's a lot of material out there. And if people are um, using Google to search about opportunity zones, they may not um, be be getting the right answers, and 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 and, and maybe things aren't as clear. Um, but it's certainly a, a massive program. I've been to plenty of seminars and conferences. I think the government is is doing their best to promote it. I, I also think that uh, various people within the White House um, that that are overseeing this this part of the, uh, the that are overseeing this program are trying to get out there to speak at many different types of events to to really. Um, get people comfort, comfortable, and and um, so there is less hesitation. But I do do think that you know still um, there is some uncertainty. There's still some risk, um, and and it's really about you know what's the best opportunity um, for that type of investor. Uh, does it economically make sense? 
I think institutions are rolling more and more out on their platforms to get exposure to um, their clients within those institutions, and I think that's been working out fairly well. Um, but I think where it's been slow that I've been seeing is is kind of on the more private side where entrepreneurs and, and, and different types of uh, funds are trying to raise, raise capital to um, get into different types of projects within Opportunity Zones um, where they have really good ideas. Um, it's just that they're having a hard time to raise that capital. And I think it's just a lot of, you know, hesitation, concern, and some, some, to some degree uncertainty, um, you know, because we don't have finalized regs uh, just yet. Um, I think there is some hesitation, but hopefully um, going into next year that if we see some of these op-zone funds that are, have already been created and already um, making investments, and, and you could see kind of the benefits that those funds are seeing, um, that will hopefully encourage more people and, and bring down the kind of levels of uncertainty for investors um, to kind of get get you know, to, to diversify some of their portfolio to, into some of these funds. So I, I think time will tell. Um, but I know that a lot of funds are already out there operating. They, they've raised capital. They've raised their money. Um, so I think it's kind of a wait and see, and I think that's what investors are also doing. Right, yeah. A, a few headwinds that we're facing here. One is the regulatory uncertainty. We're still waiting on final rules from IRS. So some of these questions that you may have, uh, not only is it hard to find the answer to a lot of the questions on this program, but uh, in, in in many areas, there actually literally is no answer because the IRS hasn't given us the answer yet. And then another headwind that we're facing certainly is uh, just the fact that the that this incentive program is in its infancy and you know people are still kind of getting up to speed on what it's all about and how to go about doing it. So I, I share your your hope, your optimism that you know we'll we'll see some more capital hopefully flow in uh, in the coming years here. Okay, Steve. So we discussed the three different types of you know, foreign persons or Americans living overseas who may be interested in this opportunity zone tax incentive. We had the non-U.S. investors as group number one. And that splits into non-U.S. individuals and non-U.S. corporations. We had group number two was Americans living overseas, so U.S. citizens or greed card holders, U.S. persons living abroad. And then number three, we had international family offices. All of those types of investors are certainly incentivized to take advantage of the Opportunity Zone tax incentive should they have capital gains tax liabilities in the U.S. wanted to shift back domestically now for a minute and consider this other group of people, which are the fund sponsors or the people who are attempting to raise capital for their qualified opportunity funds or underlying qualified opportunity zone businesses or real estate projects. They almost certainly have been focused solely on raising capital within the U.S. And, you know, I, I asked you this question at the top of the program, but I want to drill into it a little bit more now. What are their opportunities for looking outside of the U.S.? I know that the market's kind of been slow to develop because of some of the headwinds we just we just mentioned. I'm, I'm curious, you know, of, of all of the 
potential unrealized capital gains that are that are sitting on the balance sheets of individuals and corporations do you know what percentage of it is within the United States versus what percentage of unrealized capital gains may be abroad like how big is i guess what i'm getting at is how big is the opportunity to seek capital from outside of the United States um i you know i, I i'm not sure of the percentages per se but I, what I will say is, is, is working for a firm like Frank Hurth and being able to see a lot of international clients, that investment into the U.S. is number one um, on their minds. Um, the international clients, uh, of course, view the U.S. as a stable environment. Uh, you know, they, they want to invest into the U.S. They want their clients to invest into the U.S. Um, anything they, they can do to gain exposure into the U.S. market and into U.S. investments, in particular U.S. real estate, but also opportunity-zone businesses. Um, that has not um, slowed down by any means. I think it's increased. I think with tax reform, it's made it a lot more attractive as well. Um, you know, you see some of these countries abroad that are having negative interest rates and, and all kinds of issues, um, whereas the U.S. is is, is you know, a fairly, you know, is, is one of the best economies in, in the world, if not the best, um, is a stable environment, regardless of the po- political nonsense we see in the news all the time. But um, investors still view the U.S. as a safe haven for their their clients. And I think that that will not slow down. And I think this is an incentive to them. Um, it's, a, it's an additional incentive to them and their clients um, that they're serving overseas is that, you know, hey, you have some capital gains. You have some investments in real estate here. Um, let's take a look at this new opportunity zone project. And oh, by the way, you get all of these tax-free benefits if you hold it for for 10 years or more. Which there is no no such thing in in any part of the IRC code or the section codes. Um, there there is no capital gains um, that are not taxable unless you. Uh, invest in a qualified opportunity zone program. Um, this is the only part of the code sections that allow you to do that um, and walk away tax-free um, on the appreciation of that opportunity zone investment. So uh, it's a way to not only get um, a, a, a good deal economically for their clients um, that are, are international, that are overseas, but also um, you know the, the rate of return that they're looking at um, at, at the end of the life of the investment is substantial, is significant. Um, and, you know, that, I, I think that, um, you know, the first estimates about when the, when, when the Opportunity Zone program first came out, um, I think there was, you know, I saw anywhere from four to six trillion of unrealized capital gains out there um, that were subject to U.S. tax. Um, so, you know, again, I think there's a lot of international um, clients that are already investing into the U.S. market, um, and I think it's just tapping into that and, and um, you know, dealing with some of the trustees that are overseas and, and, and trying to get to their clients and, um, you know, and, and like I said, just educating them that, hey, this is a benefit and you should really look at this uh, for, for their clientele. Uh, because, like I said, <clears throat> there is no downturn in investments uh, into the U.S. More and more clients are investing into the U.S., um, so I don't see that changing anytime soon. 
Right. So it, it really does represent an incredible opportunity for fund sponsors who are looking to raise capital. You know, don't just look to the U.S., but consider looking abroad as well. Uh, and, and I know that that's a pretty good portion of our listening audience listening to this podcast right now are project sponsors or fund sponsors who are struggling to raise capital. Steve, do you have any strategies or tips for those listeners who are looking to raise capital on on how they can go about looking to raise capital, not just domestically, but but specifically how they can reach out to non-U.S. investors abroad or Americans living abroad? Do you have any tips or strategies for them? Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities in, in getting in front of uh, trustees um, that are located in the Channel Islands, um, you know, BVI came in, trying to um, get in front of those types of uh, those types of firms because that's where you know a lot of high net worth individuals uh, are putting their money into various trusts that are that that are located offshore. Um, I would target them. I would target the family offices, the international family offices that are located in London, that are located around the globe. Um, to, to try to get in front of them as best as they can um, to really educate them about um, different opportunities that they are trying to raise capital for. I think those two audiences are, would, would be the best start. And, you know, trying to do, do some seminars, maybe, maybe have, you know, we've been thinking about, at least here in the U.S., um, you know, I've been a part of some seminars that uh, we're targeting um, just kind of, uh, different types of firms, uh, maybe they're immigration firms uh, or, or international wealth managers that uh, are coming to some of our conferences and seminars about opportunity zones and what the benefits are on a very basic level. So maybe trying to, again, like you were saying before, uh, doing some type of roadshow or seminar overseas would probably make a lot of sense. Or if they're going to do it here in the U.S., trying to target that market um, uh, you know, and there's plenty of international wealth managers that have offices here in the U in New York, in particular, and, and elsewhere around the country, and immigration firms, I, I think too, because a lot of people that are thinking about um, investments in the U.S. or, or coming to the U.S. Or, or trying to get a green card, but staying overseas, um, you know, those are, are potential avenues to also um, go down. Good, yeah, a lot of a lot of opportunities out there to look abroad and not just uh, to domestic investors. Steve, thank you for your time today. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about you and Frank Hirth? Sure, Jimmy, and thank, thanks again for having me. I thought this was great, and uh, I look forward to um, hopefully doing another uh, podcast down the road. But um, anyone that's listening, you could go to our website, www.frankhirth.com. Uh, my profile is also on our website. We have various articles um, in regards to opportunity zones that I've published that are on our website as well. Um, so take a look at that. Uh, my email, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot Cristiano, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-O at frankhurt.com. If you have any follow-up questions, you can feel free to reach out to me. Um, Frank Hurth, we're, we're all over LinkedIn and, and, and Twitter. Um, so you can search us there as well. We're always trying to stay up to date with various um, um, 
news that comes out on opportunity zones and as regulations start to get finalized, as, as forms start to get finalized, um, we will keep everyone up to date and you can um, see a lot of our articles that I publish on uh, various social media outlets. So um, please go there and, and, and thanks again for having me, Jimmy. Perfect. Absolutely. And so for our listeners out there today, I'll have show notes on the Opportunity Zones database website for today's episode. And you can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you will find links to all of the resources that Stephen and I discussed on today's show. Steve, again, this has been great. Thanks for joining me. All right. Thank you. Take care, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 